Hey, what's going on, good people? It's Gardener Douglas, your Oyster Ninja. I'm here today with the great, but new, new but great uh, oyster farm um, out of the south. That is uh, Grayson Bay. That's right. Grayson right. Bay Oyster Company. Grayson Bay Oyster Company, man. I found you on Instagram, or you found me, but we found each other, man. And uh, basically, I just wanted, and oh, man, I just told him the story, but, you know, my nose is kind of leaking. I just ate some hot wings. Y'all got to excuse me. Um, but, um, you know, um, tell us a little bit about Grayson Bay, man. Sure. Absolutely. Well, first of all, the name is Grayson Bay and, uh, it's named after my two sons, Grayson and Balin. Um, so that's where the name comes from there. Uh, the logo has two, uh, seagulls in it and that also represents them as well. So, um, we're relatively new. We just planted a hundred thousand, uh, oyster seed. Uh, in March um, from the great L3 hatchery and um, we were approved back in December uh, it took us a little over a, about a year for um, the permitting process and everything like that um, but uh, my background um, I'm a biologist environmental scientist I work for a, a utility and uh, so I, I work on the boat and surface water and do surface water sampling biological studies um, and I've done that for a long time. Um, but, uh, just looking for something, you know, to do on my own, to get the family involved with, um, just taking a risk to do something on my own. And, uh, I'll tell you what, you know, I was on a plane headed up to, um, American Fisheries Society conference up in, um, uh, Atlantic City, New Jersey. And, um, this was in the summer of 2018 and I was reading an article in the Saver magazine and it had an article in there about Pico oysters. I'm sure you know who Pico is and everything like that. Had a great interview in there with the, with the owner and how he found himself in the, with an oyster company, um, you know, being laid off in the financial industry and um, found that there was an oyster farm for sale and took a risk and bought it. That article really resonated with me immediately on the plane. And when I landed um, and got to the hotel before the conference, I just, I started looking, you know, um, Southern oyster farming and things. Cause I remember when I was in like college and things was quite a few years ago, there was nothing like that in the Gulf, something very popular, you know, obviously on the East and West coast, but um, the Gulf just, non-existent you know we had a, a quite a wild population harvest everybody you know that's what we do down here but i was pretty surprised to see that there was a burgeoning and, and uh, brand new uh, oyster farming community down here in, in the gulf and so even that evening i started firing off um, emails and things to bill walton and oyster south and just do a little bit more research and um it was just something that it clicked so quick. You know, I knew at that point that, um, I had a new future coming. And so, uh, I started laying the groundwork and asking, uh, people about it and then, uh, joined, uh, Oyster South and started meeting with those people. And then shortly joined Instagram, started reaching out to different folks and, uh, it just really steamrolled. And man, I'll tell you what, the Oyster community is, uh, it is, it's awesome. You know, it's very supportive. I found that like 
Instagram and social media is just really great for meeting people and conversing and solving problems and things like that. And so, you know, um, I'm really excited about our opportunity with Grayson Bay. I think we have a great name. We've got a great brand. I think we've got a great story. Um, and I know we're going to produce a great oyster. No doubt, man. That's, that's, that, that, that is a great story, man. Yeah. Um, so it seems like you had all the connections and everything just lined right up, man. It was like meant to be, you know, you read the story and you know, it hit you, you know, it hit home. So, and you wanted to get the family involved. What, what did the wife say when you came home and said, Hey, I want to be an oyster farmer. You know, I actually think I talked to her that, that evening and just kind of threw it out there that I'd read this article and it just kind of hit me, you know, and there's not very many moments in life that I think you have that aha moment, you know, um, and you kind of wish, well, maybe I should have done that sooner or, or not. But when I talked to her about it, she's like, oh, okay, 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 all right, you know, well, let's see how it goes, do a little bit more research, talk to some people and all that. But um, I'll tell you one thing, um, my wife has been super supportive about this whole thing. Um, she knows that um, it's a passion of mine, like from the get-go. She's like, you're gonna be so good at it. Like, it's your background. It's what you really enjoy. You love food, you love the water, you love oysters, and you love hard work. And so it's everything that you like. And, you know, that's just not what I get from working, you know, as an environmental specialist at a utility. You know, it's compliance work. It's a lot of office work, a lot of permitting and things like that. And um, it just doesn't necessarily, you know, uh, drive that fire, you know, like, this is what I want to do, you know? So she has been amazing, absolutely amazing with the whole thing. I mean, I expect her to be like, well, cause we're really risk adverse, you know, and right. um, starting up your own business and especially like on the side of your real job, um, that's going to be really demanding. You know, I expected her to be a little bit more, um, you know, adverse to it. Like, I, I think that's too much. I don't know, you know, but no, she's been all on board 100%. And, um, you know, even with what's going on with, with uh, COVID and the risk and the unknowns, you know, we're pushing forward. You know, we've got 100,000 in the water now. We have another 150,000 coming later this year. Um, the one thing we'll probably do is kind of restrain back a little bit. You know, I think that's the fortunate thing that we have is um, we are just starting right now. So we don't have a lot of overhead. We don't have a lot of uh, product to push, um, you know, so we can kind of enter, enter as we need to um, kind of slowly and kind of, you know, protect um, what we have and not grow too big too fast in this unknown time. Right. So how did your, how did your family and friends take it? Because you're right. It, there is a big difference in culture, just Florida culture and golf oysters um, compared to wild oysters and farm raised. So was it like pushback? Like, ah, we want big golf oysters. We don't want those fancy cocktail size oysters. So my family, um, you know, we, we enjoy like the boutique oyster, you know, um, you could, we've kind of always grown up like enjoying the cold water farm raised oysters. And so, um, 
although, you know, I think there's a product in a place for uh, wild, what we call beefsteak oysters, because they are great for being grilled, fried, baked, you know, where, you know, farm-raised oyster doesn't really typically, you know, hold up to that, you know, it's not meant for that market. So, but, you know, there is, um, the culture here is wild oyster, um, you know, that that's typically how people were raised, cheap oysters, buy by the sack for, you know, not very much and right. sit on the back of a pickup truck or, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, no doubt. A yep. campfire. And so that's what people are used to. But, you know, the one thing is the wild stock is not where it used to be. That's and, a good know, point. I think, uh, you know, Apalachicola, they haven't had a harvest there in like three or four years, I think, a wild harvest, you know. And over the years, the water wars with Apalachicola River and Georgia and Alabama, you know, fighting for the water, um, starve the oyster beds of, of fresh water. And then with the BP oil spill, um, everybody rushed out there and took what everything, you know, because it was like, they didn't know there was going to be anything left. So they just went out there and took it. So, um, those beds are pretty decimated. You know, those are famous oysters that we'll probably see come back again. Um, the state's putting some money into it, but, um, nothing like it was. And then obviously with Louisiana, um they've just been decimated with floodwaters over the last few years and then um the bp oil spill so it's just been one thing uh over the next and so we're gonna have to rely on on farm raised gulf oysters and so i think there's gonna have to be a whole mind shift on the expectation of what used to be what is and what's the future right right so um <clears throat> excuse me Mm-hmm. So, oh, dang, where are your oysters at right now in the process? Uh, you said you uh, have a hundred thousand out now. So yeah, so we we expect um, probably our first harvest will be in September, right around September October. So, um, and they, what's your location were, again? Like, where are the oysters at? Yeah, sure, Pensacola. We're in Pensacola Bay, Pensacola, Florida. also known as the Emerald Coast. Right. Down here in Florida, we, he, he, I saw uh, when you spoke to Nicolette, you know, she's the Treasure Coast shellfish. And, you know, down here in Florida, we have a lot of named coasts, you know, mm-hmm. uh, where Panacea and all that is. Um, you know, it's the Forgotten Coast. And so you've got Space Coast and Treasure Coast. But yeah, we're, we're the Emerald Coast. Did your background, you know, with the uh, water samples and everything help with, like, picking a location as far as where you wanted your oyster grounds to be? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think we're are we okay? Yep. Okay. Um, yeah, absolutely. So uh, I was able to um, kind of do some desktop research, look where I wanted to put my uh, put the farm. You know, um, I wanted a fairly, I wanted to be as south from the river as like we could. Uh, we have mo- all the most of the farms are north of me, but also put them in more at more risk of um fresh water too much fresh water and then also you know for hurricanes um you know if we have an oncoming storm those with those north winds those farms will will be decimated and so um i put mine on the south side of the bay um right next to a a barrier island um 
you know, to try to get some protection and um, adjacent to a bridge. So, so I, I, I took storms into consideration and then uh, I wanted a um, really nice uh, bottom. And so we're, we're in four foot, three and a half, four foot of um, just sand, quartz sand. So we have a nice firm bottom and no, no mud. So, which is really pretty nice. Do you think like the storms will be your biggest obstacles or what's your biggest obstacle you think as far as farming oysters uh, down there? Storms are definitely a, a, a big um, concern. Um, being in the electric utility, you know, we had Hurricane Michael uh, in Panama City and I was, um, I did two and a half, uh, two weeks living out of a suitcase out of my work truck, trying, you know, helping those folks get out and uh, back up and running and just seeing what the storms can do as far as damage and then knowing what they did to uh, the folks over in Panacea, Apalachicola area, um, where those farms took a pretty good beating too. It wasn't a direct hit. Um, but uh, I would say hurricanes and too much fresh water. You know, um, where we are in Pensacola Bay, we've got, um, so we have the Escambia River, um, which is the main feeder. And then we have two other rivers that come on the other side. So called East Bay. So, um, and those go up into, you know, Alabama quite a ways. Um, so whatever happens upstream will end up coming downstream. And so, um, you know, we had another farm here, Pensacola Bay Oyster Company. Um, I think that in their first year in 2017, they had an entire crop loss due to too much fresh water. Wow, that's crazy. That that's hard, man. Yeah. So you know, you hope that you get a couple good years, you know, and then put money away for when a bad the bad year comes, you know. So I think the the estimates are to to know that you're going to lose your farm, um, like all your crop, probably once every ten years, somewhere in there. And so um, you need to just try to put money away for those bad days, you know. Right. Right. What what else has helped you like because like this is literally like the beginning stages of your oyster farming like what else has helped you like uh far as like I don't know maybe like research or reading material or uh key people Yeah so I will say um probably the biggest influence has been Oyster South Um they Shout out shout out Yeah yeah great <laughs> it, that 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 uh those group of people and that that platform that they have has created such good collaboration um I've, I've gained some really good friends that i talk to on the regular who have oyster farms so um i mean from louisiana uh, alabama um, north carolina obviously here in florida um i communicate with those people all the time lessons learned um you know what equipment they use uh it's just all because of Oyster South. I, without that, meeting those people just it would be more difficult. Um, and then, uh, you know, so Oyster South was formed with um, Beth, Beth and Bill Walton. Um, and Bill Walton is also known as Dr. Oyster uh, down here at the Auburn University. Um, also been very, very helpful. But he's such a knowledgeable man. And um, they're just so, such good people, you know, that, that work with that organization. And so like Brian Rackley out of Kimball House, um, you know, and Watchman's super instrumental in pushing um, Oyster South, but promoting uh, Southern oysters and putting a, 
having a platform to, to let them shine. So, um, and then obviously just tons of research, man, you know, I spend a lot of evenings <laughs> just researching, you know, just trying to see what other people do, what's out there. Um, so what's so going to be your, uh, what's your methods of farming? So right now we are, um, we're, I'm water column only. We can't do any bottom culture, uh, because we have, it's critical habitat for Gulf sturgeon. So everything has to be floating, um, for the most part, I guess I could do some long line, but the, that's not what I'm looking for. So right now we're trying a new product, um, by, by Zapco. Uh, it's a, it's a floating bag that has, uh, submersible, um, floats on it. So we're trying that out now. We've got, um, I think about 113 bags out there right now. Um, and then I also have another, uh, type of equipment that I'm working with, with hexel hexapods. So it's three hexel baskets kind of conjoined together with uh, two 11 liter go deep, um, floats on it. So, uh, uh, I think I'm making those on my own, but I think if you want to see pictures, Hooper's Island has some picture of what a hexapod would look like. Uh, Cape fear uses them as well. And what I'm trying to do is, um, I really, since I'm trying to do this on, on my own for the most part, you know, I'm trying not to break my back too much. And so mm -hmm. you've probably seen those floating cages. Oh yeah. yeah. Those, those, those are no uh, small feet. And so, um, trying to avoid, using cages just because you know if you're a one-man show you have to use a derrick crane and trying to do all that and manhandle those things and so um trying to make it to where it's a little bit lighter a little bit easier to to do with you know minimal staff and equipment so right so you um said you didn't really want to fool with uh the the long lines so like what's the what's the big difference like far as like growing oysters in the bags versus long lines or you know different sure. processes? Well, and here's the other thing with the long line, it's it's pretty unsightly. And okay. so I've got some houses um within sight. Um so you know, I'm I'm within sight of, of those houses. I have a the bridge is my background, so I'm not totally obscuring their view. Um but uh in other parts of the country, like particularly north. South Carolina, there's been a lot of NIMBYs, not in my backyard, pushback, uh, particularly on, on some oyster farms. And um, the, uh, the lawn line system, it's just a little unsightly. So if you're fortunate to be in an area where you don't have people looking at them, I think it's a great system. I know Murder Point uses it, and they have a beautiful oyster. I know Lane and them, um, in, in, it's pretty popular in, in Panacea area. Um, but, uh, you know, if it's down here, since we don't really have a tide, you have to manipulate it. And gotcha. so, uh, you're having to walk down that lawn line and manually raise and lower the, uh, those bags all the way down that line. And so, yeah, that's work. Yeah, that's work. And so, yeah. um, for me, um, you know, from what I've seen, those, what we have in the bags are, are, they're getting tumbled pretty good. So, which is nice. That's what you want. That's what creates that deep cup. Um, but uh, I'm able just to go, you know, swim or walk down that line and just flip the bags, you know, just one at a time, just go right on down. So, um, so far seems to be working out pretty well. So as the, the new kid on the block, like where do you see like uh, oyster farming in the next, you know, five years in, in Florida? You know, so I think five, it really, 10 years, you know, yeah. just the future. 
Yeah, I think the future is really bright. You know, um, we're, we're getting a lot more uh, restaurants in, in Central Florida um, coming on board with, with Florida oysters. And um, if we can start really promoting regionally, you know, um, we're, we call it the Florida Oyster Revival. So, um, you know, since we've had the Apalachicola oysters and a lot of the uh, oyster beds have been pretty decimated, same thing here in Pensacola. Um, we don't really have a lot of wild beds. I think the future is really bright. You know, we, our tourism industry in Florida alone, I mean, is, is giant. And so um, when we have people, tourists who come, you know, out, from out of town, I think they're going to want to try um, some Florida oysters, you know. Um, also, Florida has a huge coastline. It's massive, you know. So um, when you just take that into account, you know, um, the future is going to be really, really bright. You know, the, some of the unknowns are going to be how long is this COVID uh, coronavirus is going to take, you know, and then um, one thing that's also going to take, a, you know, some time is hurricanes, you know, that, that will typically take people out. And then, um, you know, it also takes a lot of capital just to, to get into it. And so it was also another reason why we went with the, with the bags. It's just a little bit less capital up front. Uh, trying to do it on our own but um i'm really excited i think we are definitely getting in on the ground mm -hmm. you know and i think we're going to really see a huge increase in in popularity of uh not only golf but uh just florida oysters in general so um i think that as long as we can i think there's a negative connotation with golf oyster i think it's just what people people really have uh historically known it's just that wild beefsteak, muddy, hardly right. looking oyster, you know, and um, just look what Murder Point has done. And, and, you know, they've created a niche market for, for who would have thought an Alabama oyster, you know, would be at Hog Island or going to some of the nicest oyster bars in, in, in the country, you know, and he goes to the food and wine festival in, uh, in Miami every year. So, I mean, when you think of Alabama, you don't necessarily think of a boutique oyster. Right, but right. They, they've done it, and they've he's he's worked hard. He's pushed it. Um, I may not have the marketing skills or the personality of a lake, <laughs> but <laughs> but I'll tell you what. You know, I'm I'm happy to stand alongside him. We're not that far from you know Pensacola and Alabama. We're right next to each other, so um, I think we have a lot to of room to grow. And I think the future is bright for, for all of us down here. Nice, man. Um, I, that, that's one of the best parts to me, um, far as like shucking and just dealing with oysters, man, just, you know, meeting different personalities, man, because, uh, it's, it does help, you know, the oysters count, but the personality, you know, helps also. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It sure does. And, uh, you know, um, our, I, I don't think I told you our slogan. Our slogan is let the tide be your guide. Let the tide be and, your guide. Nice. And so, um, and then we're going to coin the, our brand of oysters title guides. Um, so, nice. yeah. So we think it's going to be great because, um, you know, the tides are always changing. The oysters will never be the same. So the experience will always be new. And so I think it's going to be important for us to relay that information to the restaurants and the shuckers and things like that. So they could pass that along because I think the one thing a lot of people also get kind of just caught up on is I've had that oyster one time and it was really salty and it was, you know, I want that. I'm going to have that again, you know? Right, right. And so 
that's not necessarily going to be the case all the time. So, um, you know, some areas that have more ocean influence may have more stability. Um, but ours are always going to be changing. And I think that's exciting, you know, oh, yeah, so, for sure. because you're yeah. going to be able to play with different flavors, different toppings, different sauces and things like that to really take advantage of the profile of the oyster at that time. And that's also like a selling point just to the chefs, you know, because, and a talking point for, um, you know, the oyster shuckers present your oyster at the raw bar, just letting people know, Hey, you know, you might have this this week and it's going to taste this way. But if you come back in a couple of weeks or a month, you know, it might have a different flavor to it. So, you know, it, I love that, man. Just having that knowledge about the oysters and, you know, pushing good oysters. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I mean, it's just it's just like, um, you know, North Carolina, you know, so you get those green gills in the wintertime. Right, right. You know, it's the same oysters in the summertime, but it's just that algae, you know, the algae is different in the wintertime. And so, you know, they can have basically have two two different brands of oysters you know one for the winter and one for the summer but um i think it's fantastic i think it's such a huge advantage when when you're able to kind of you know let people know up front you know like it's not going to be the same every time you know yeah. so um because i've seen people because I, I worked in the restaurant industry uh when i was going through college and at an oyster bar and you know people are used to a certain oyster or you know tasting the same each time so um what's your favorite oyster <laughs> oh man i i don't know if i really have one you know i've had so many um i think i would say that i'm a little partial to to pacific oysters um, okay I, I just they're pretty pretty awesome you know in my in my opinion i think they're just super sweet really plump um but uh you know i'm I don't have a favorite way of prepared either. I just love oysters. It could be fried, baked, you know, steamed, raw. It doesn't matter. But uh, yeah, I'm not too biased on 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 that. So, how old are the kiddos? Do they eat oysters? So Balin is six, and Grayson is four. Uh, Balin. <laughs> Grayson, <laughs> he, he won't eat it, but he'll he likes the juice. Right. So he likes the brine. Yeah, that's how we got my son. Uh, you know, he just was the juice drinker, and then all of a sudden, you know, he, oh, this is good. Let me get another one. You know, yeah, he's been expensive ever since. You know, yeah. So I've got some great photos of us like putting the oysters in, and when we first got the seed and everything, and having them help out. I mean, it's just fantastic. And then you know, going out to the farm and taking the boat out, having them go out there and swim out there with me and touching the bags and all that stuff. It's just, it's, it, that's what it's about. You know, it's, it's about family. It's about community. Um, it's about the conversation and oysters do all of that. So. Yeah. Yeah. And definitely about, um, you know, embedding that, uh, you know, that part of nature in them young, you know, I think that's missing in a lot of young people, a lot of kids, man, they just miss a portion of that. Like if you're not like near the coast or, you know, water, you miss all of that even just simple something simple as like fishing or crabbing you know yeah absolutely and you know and i think that's so important for social media and telling that story of like that because a lot of people who are going to maybe enjoy your oyster don't have the access like we do and so if they're able to follow you on instagram or facebook or uh or whatever and see you out there with your family or you know seeing how you're working your farm and your oysters and 
and doing that, I mean, that just takes them to your place. And that's one thing oysters do is they transcend people to a place. So um, I think it's, it's such a great world. So I'm, I'm excited for it. I'm excited for people to try out oysters. Beautiful, man. When, when's, when do you think it's going to be? Have you had your first harvest yet? Not yet. So we're thinking it's going to be about September or October. Okay, cool. We'll have our first, first, first round. Nice. Keep me posted, man. And just, uh, you know. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, so where can, where can my listeners and the good people, man, viewing this on YouTube, uh, where can we find you at, man? So we are on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, you can just Google Grayson Bay Oyster Company. Um, we're also Grayson Bay Oysters. Um, and we have a website, Grayson Bay Oyster, uh, Oysters.com. And uh, keep, keep a lookout. You can follow our progress, man. It's pretty awesome. It is, man. And they have the pleasure of watching it from the beginning. They um, do. And that's <laughs> you. Yeah. If you went back into the Instagram, you could go all the way back to the beginning for sure. And, that's what uh, I did. I went to like the first post, like the boat. And, you know, just I was like, wow, okay, this is kind of cool. Yeah. So that's, I, I'm glad you brought that up because uh, a lot of people don't have it from the very beginning. You know, they wait until they have the farm set up and oysters and rated harvest and everything. But started early, man. Start that groundwork, you know, just laying it out there. And if people ever want to go back and see, you know, the beginning, they can. They can go all the way back and see the process, you know. Do you have any advice for like a beginning oyster farmer or somebody interested or like what advice would you give, man? The advice I would have is you better have some patience because the permitting process is long, you know, so you, you better be and be committed because, um, it's a, it's a long process and, um, you know, do your research, pick a good site, um, you know, and find the right people and start talking to them. Um, you know, but you have to be committed. It's going to be a lot of hard work and, um, it's very rewarding. That's for sure. No doubt, man. Appreciate you for taking yeah. time out today, man. And, um, you know, I know you got the kiddos and the wife and everything. And, of course, the baby oysters. But uh, <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to see if they're outside. I'm actually looking outside. I don't know where they are. <laughs> they were running around out here. <laughs> right. How, how's that been, man, with the kids and, you know, out of school and all? Well, I guess they're kind of young still, but. Yeah, so, so they are young, so they need a lot of attention. And so. Um, both my, my wife and I are working remotely right now. Both of our jobs are pretty demanding, um, which is pretty challenging. So, um, my wife is set up in our bedroom with a little desk and computers and I'm in the guest bedroom. Um, so we have a little schedule, you know, um, how we work with the kids, you know, um, as far as trying to get some work done and then we got to do some schoolwork and lessons and online classes and, and all that. And so it's been definitely challenging, you know, and, um, but fortunately work has been in managers, they're all in the same situation. So, um, you know, we're just trying to make the best of it, try to stay healthy. Um, you know, it's, it's a little sad, you know, um, that the kids can hang out with their friends and, you know, be with their classmates. And, um, you know, my son's going to be graduating from kindergarten. So, and he doesn't get to have, you know, that, you know, so, um, they just think they keep saying they're this is the longest spring break ever. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So, but uh it's a challenge, but it's a special time. I think we'll look back on this, you know, and miss it. 
you know, because we're just, it's so much togetherness and you're forced to have to do it. Um, but I think the benefits also pretty huge, just so much family time. I think uh, what this has done for me, man, not that you asked, but uh, <laughs> what this has done for me, it's really um, um, made me step up to the plate, man, and just be more dad, you know, more husband because uh, my wife is working home. So, you know, I still go out for work. So when I come home, you know, even though I'm tired, she has been working and still with the kids. So, you know, it's just more appreciation to her, man. And, um, you know, and it's brought me closer with my son. My son is five and my daughter is one. And, you know, I've been loving this time, you know, even when I'm just tired. But like when things go back, man, it's just, you know, you're just going to enjoy your family more and appreciate things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, that's 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 the thing, you know, and, um, you know, hopefully everything kind of opens back up and everybody can stay safe, you know, and hopefully schools will be back open, you know, the fall and we'll get back into, into a groove. But yeah, this, this is a, a special time. I think, you know, just being forced to have to stay together and be home, you know, it's, it's, you don't get it back. So exactly. You don't get it back. No doubt, man. Appreciate you again, man. And yeah. um, until the next time, hopefully we can catch back up with you when we, when you, when you get your first harvest or, you know, just, updating news or something you know what i mean absolutely so um i'm, I'm waiting on a hat from you still in the mail i'm thinking okay <laughs> but uh Keep me, let me know let me know we're, we're we're working on um we're working on some gear we're working on some hats and and some shirts so um i'll, I'll let you know and definitely get you some up there so you of can course man represent, no represent florida and grayson bay yeah, I'm kind of hating on that Orson South hat, man. That's a pretty sweet hat. <laughs> <laughs> no, and this is an oldie. It's a little faded, but. No, they're the best ones, they, they, man. They, 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 they still sell them. So, um, okay. you know, we, we'd love to have you come down and, and hang out at the Oyster South Symposium sometime. Hopefully, we'll get to have one next year. You know, we were in Wilmington this year, um, right before the virus stuff hit in, in February. So. Uh, it's supposed to be in New Orleans next year, I think. So we'll see how it goes. They flip flop coasts. Right, right. So okay. but we get some food bloggers and chefs and everybody else too with the, you know, mingle with the farmers. Every year I want to hit it, man. And um, I just, you know, with the kids and everything, man, you know how it is. It's hard. It's very hard. <laughs> but man, you be safe, man, and wear your gloves and your mask and, you know, keep them kiddos, you know safe and uh again appreciate you for taking time out today man i appreciate it gardner thank you so much man we'll be right. in touch. okay be safe Let's see here. still learning still learning i like the background man yeah you know I, i'm trying to get a little fancy with my uh the little background hold on let me see here